On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the Beatitudes in a nutshell on Soul Zero Two. Welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is a podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And so glad to be with you today. And today we're going to be talking about the Beatitudes in a nutshell, just kind of like give you a little snippet. I'm the kind of person that likes to look at something from 30,000 feet to kind of get the layout. And then after that, I dive in and, and see what, what it really is. But first, we, we talked about last time that the, the Beatitudes are really, when, when you look at it, they are the manifesto of Jesus. And what is the manifesto? Um, a manifesto is is a written statement uh, publicly, declaring publicly the intentions, motives, or views of its issuer. It could be a leader, it could be a visionary or a politician. And Jesus taught um, th- that his followers uh, are to be so different from, from the world that through their distinctiveness, right, not, not their similarity, but their distinctiveness, they would attract the world. And the Beatitudes are designed so that Jesus' followers are truly unique. They are different. They are they are different from the world. And so th- this in, in this time together, we're just going to talk about the idea that the Beatitudes are, are a thing of the heart. And I'm not going to read them today because there are so many of them. There's really eight, and I'm not going to read the whole passage, but it's Matthew 5, uh, uh, 1 through 12. And these are eight statements of blessing for those who, who do things God's way. And But I'm going to do it this way. I'm, I'm going to go through each one just quickly, just briefly, these next few minutes, and tell you what the, you know, what the results are, what happens when you live it out. Right? And the first one is this, the poor in spirit possess heaven. Robert A. Grulick, theologian, said, The poor in spirit are those who stand without hypocrisy or pretense before God, stripped of all self-sufficiency and self-righteousness. And that is a great definition. In other words, there's nothing I can bring to the table when it comes to me and God, but my heart surrendered. That's all I can give Him. And in this culture of Jesus' kingdom, it teaches us that the norm of, of the kingdom of heaven is not self-reliance, but spiritual bankruptcy. And you'll see that in Jesus' Beatitudes, there's always this reversal of what the world thinks and then what God thinks. Because the world always says, assert yourself, be strong, don't let no one mess with you, be tough. I grew, I grew up like that in the Bronx. But God says, no, I'll take care of that. If you if you surrender justice to me, if, if you surrender whatever someone did to me, I'll take care of it. And you just... Trust me. So that's the first one, the poor in spirit. The second one, those who mourn, they'll be comforted. What, what is mourned? Like, what is that person mourning and why do they need comfort? The loss of the things that are surrendered to God. Our pride, our sins, our self-centeredness, our pursuing of wealth and material things that, that leave us empty, uh, the the obvious sins that we commit that are that we know are wrong sins of anger sins of wasting our lives and it's it's the mourning right mourning meaning weeping that comes with with how vulnerable and naked you feel before god without these things you you were addicted to without these things that you and i loved 
And Isaiah, in the scriptures, in the scriptures, Isaiah saw Messiah, Jesus, helping those who mourn. When he said in Isaiah 61, to provide, that he would come to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland of instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the mantle of praise of a faint spirit, instead of a faint spirit. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, to display His glory. This is what God does, that if we commit ourselves to Him, He will work on our behalf. And then, so the next one is, the meek inherit the earth. And growing up, I always thought that anyone who's meek is basically wimpy. If you're meek, then you're passive. If you're you're meek, then, you know, and we'll get into that because we'll, we'll, we'll be taking each one of these in this series and talking about them. But but the meek inherit the earth. What does that mean? Notice it's not not weakness, but, and this is the short version of what meekness is. It's not weakness, rather, but it's the self-possession that comes from seeing ourselves the way God sees us. That's what meekness is. It's saying that because I trust God, that He's going to take care of it, I don't have to always respond in kind to people or be mean to people or set them straight. It's not my job. It's not what I'm called to do. And with such a view, we are gentle, we are humble, we are considerate, we're courteous to those who act against us in the opposite spirit. Why? Not because we're afraid or passive, but because we trust that God takes care of those things. So do you see what I mean by this is a great reversal? Not the aggressive or domineering who who try to exercise control over the world, but the timid and weak win the earth. I guarantee you if someone who who has that aggressive attitude and says, you got to just take it and hurt anybody on the way, if if they heard this, they would would mock it, obviously, because that's the way the world thinks. And so so the kingdom perk goes to the self-possessed person. And and not only that, but they're... because they are self-possessed, they end up owning everything. They will possess all things. They inherit the earth, God promises. So here's the next one. Those hungering for righteousness will be filled. And so these people who are hungry for righteousness, they have a craving for what, what is right, justice for the broken, doing the right thing, holiness. They want to help the, the poor and the needy. They love, they hunger to do the right thing. And they hate, they hate. It makes them sick to do the wrong thing. Why? Because they have Jesus living in them. Hunger is what leads us to say, I will surrender anything, go anywhere, do anything that God wants me to do. Why? Because it's the right thing. And the next one is this, and we're kind of flying through these today. Uh, The meek, or rather the merciful, will receive mercy. And again, this is what happens when when we do things God's way, right? Mercy... Is is comes from the noun uh, uh, ilios or, or or mercy, right? So let me just go back there. Uh, mercy comes from the noun, and, and I think I'm I'm getting it right. Ilios, which always deals with what we see of pain, misery, and distress. And instead of criticizing that pain, uh, misery, and distress, we respond in mercy. This is what it means to be merciful. Instead of just lashing out and saying, well, they should just get a job or, or you know, they're just suffering because of their stupid choices. There's, there, there's a part of us that says, let me be merciful because God was merciful towards me. 
And so their dealings, the merciful's dealings, are not based on exact justice, but on God's mercy. They know how lost they would be without God's mercy, so they are merciful towards others. And that's why Jesus once said, whoever is forgiven much, loves much. And so now we have the sixth one, and we're almost through this today, but the pure in heart will see God. And what does that mean again? Does it mean some holier-than-thou person that just condemns everybody? No, 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 no. The pure in heart as opposed to the, the pure on the outside. The pure in heart is the person that they are transformed from the inside, not just on the outside that looks good, but inside there's death and hopelessness and no change at all. We can all put on an act. We can all put on a persona. and But to really do it God's way, God says you got to do it from the inside out, not the outside in. So, hence that saying, the clothes make the man or the woman, that's not really true. That can't transform your heart. And so, it's, it's purity from, from the inside versus the outside. Not the one who obeys outward rules, right? Like the prodigal's brother, who was righteous, self-righteous in the end, but the prodigal son who ended up doing it God's way in the end when he came back to his father. So, internal purity does not come from externally obeying laws, Right? Social justice can often bypass the most important purity of all, purity of heart. And, and you know, plenty of just, there are plenty of great social justice people out there that say, I'm a Christian because I, I, I do this Christian thing, but that doesn't make you a Christian. Are you righteous on the inside? And then we're almost at the end here. Peacemakers will be called children of God. And Jesus talks about the peacemaker again. They see that violence, control, force, retaliation will never change the world. And they're right, because in the history of all the world, how has a war ever improved the world? Other than, you know, things like World War II that even though it, it helped stop evil, right? It helped curb evil, but it doesn't really change the world. It doesn't really make people better in the end. It doesn't make them behave in the end, right? And peacemakers are not passive, but, but neither are they combative, nor given to offenses. And we find that every uh, every Christian will face conflict, right? We all face it in some way. You'll be attacked. And, and as the world gets worse and worse, you'll be attacked more and more. But you should never be responsible for creating that conflict. You should only be responsible for doing the right thing in that moment. So because we love, so because we belong to the Prince of Peace, right? We're peacemakers. Hence Colossians 1.20 says, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And the last one, and we're going to sew this up here, is number eight. The persecuted have great reward in heaven. And again, this kind of dovetails to the last thing I just said. Every follower of Christ will face persecution. In fact, if you don't face some kind of rejection or persecution from the world, something's wrong. Because the world hates Christ. They hate what is in you. If you're a real Christian, if you're a follower of Christ. Because the way that you live is an indictment on people's sins. I mean, that's a fact. It doesn't mean you get up in the morning and wag, you know, wag your finger at them and say, you, you know. No, no. The way that you live, if it's really pure, if it's really coming in a righteous way, will convict people. And a Christian is persecuted because they are attached to Christ. And every time Satan looks at you, if you're a true follower of Christ, he sees the image of his enemy, his arch enemy, God. So expect criticism, expect mockery, 
expect rejection, expect canceling culture, expect torture, because this is the way the world works without Christ. And don't be shocked by it. So the Beatitudes are not just a requirement today. They are, they are proof of spiritual life. We are told, says Martin Lloyd-Jones in the Sermon on the Mount, live like this and you will become a Christian. Or rather, let me rephrase that. I, I got a word wrong. We are not told in the Sermon on the Mount, said Martin Lloyd-Jones, live like this and you'll, be, you'll become a Christian. Rather, we are told because you are a Christian, live like this. In other words, it's more of a result than a requirement. If you're really a Christian, there will be evidences of the Beatitudes in your life. So what happens? What happens when you do things God's way? Well, as we said before, you'll flourish. You will flourish. And we talked about flourishing last time in this way, that flourishing is happiness, it comes from the word makairos. It's beatus, which means happy, blissful, or fortunate. And But it's also, there's another word that has been used, and I kind of butchered this word last time, but it's I think it's teleos. And it's holiness or righteousness, or goodness as ho- godliness as wholeness. And there's a strong connection between holiness and wholeness in the scriptures. And we find that, that as we're closing this up, that the only way to, for true happiness and prosperity and blessing is to become a child of God. If you really want to flourish God's way, you, you won't fail in that sense. So check out our podcast uh, on uh, YouTube, Soul Zero Two, and check out our website, soulzero2.com, where you'll find articles and, and audios of all these. So till next time, it's great to be with you. And uh, like us if you haven't liked us, and subscribe to our channel. And thanks so much for being with us today. God bless you.